The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by Kingsters for Kingsters, Poly, Queer, Transfolk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. In its fourth season of presenting personalities as their authentic selves, this is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, the official podcast of FetishCon. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as other educators and sex-positive personalities sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is your host, John, or as they are known in the kink and fetish communities. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and to our listeners, welcome. Very rarely does somebody catch my eye that absolutely captures it in every way possible. And when I saw my first picture of Nixon many years ago, I said, here is a woman that understands this business. The first time I saw her, she was bound but then I started to see her in other ways through her Nixon's bondage files and Nixon's femdom files. And I realized she not only was an amazing model, but she had a tremendous mind for this business. Our guest today, Nixon. Nixon is an internationally traveled fetish model who's been published in multiple adult books and magazines including the 2015 July-August Penthouse. The Pittsburgh native first started doing bondage videos in 2008, but quickly accumulated quite a bit of experience in multiple genres, making her one of the top performers in the industry. These days, Nixon makes her home in St. Petersburg, Florida, where she focuses on her own productions. And now, She's gotten back to doing something else she loves. Nixon, our guest, on what women and other wonderful humans want. What was the genesis of what made our guests who they are? We begin that journey with the first five. Five questions about firsts. First time you used Nixon Go-Go, where did that come from? Well, my stage name is actually just Nixon, and I started using that in 2008. Um, I just put a bunch of stuff into Google, and this is what I came up with. Um, Nixon A Go Go, uh, that's my free website, my free informational website. Mm -hmm. And I think that's opened in 2010 or 11. I think that launched. But it's great branding. It's something that you absolutely remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was part of like why I wanted to be mononymous also, because in my mind, like Madonna, Prince, Nixon, right? Like, 
when you have those one word names, it's phenomenal. I guess it worked. <laughs> Thank you. First time you ever performed and what you felt like going on stage. My first stage that I existed on was dirty brown carpet in a small one bedroom apartment in a rented Lawrenceville apartment in Pittsburgh when I went from behind the camera to in front of the camera and got tied up for the first time. What were your emotions getting tied up for the first time after being behind the camera? My emotions were, um, I really hate this guy I work for. He's a jerk, um, but I want more money from him. So I'm going to make him use me as a model. <laughs> and yeah, that was pretty much it. I think that so many people can identify with that exact story. Now, I have been working for that guy behind the, because I was a PA on a bondage. I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to step on your um your interview toes. but No, I started, it's a conversation. <laughs> Please step away. I got my start um, being a PA on a bondage upset in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I did everything except tie the, except hold the camera. And that included tie the girl up because this guy, and he passed away in March and I would speak freely even if he were alive. Um, but I was, so in June, January of 2008, I lost my job with Matt Cosmetics. And so I worked there for a very long time and made very, very good money. So my unemployment was very, very good but I wanted, I needed to supplement it. So I created a makeup artist profile on model mayhem to get, you know, gig work. So he contacted me and you have to understand this was 2008. So I was, well, I turned my, I turned 33 that year. I was 32 at the time. And so it wasn't like I was 20, 21. And he, but he, he contacted me. He was like, I run a bondage production company. Like I was like, it was going to scare me. And he was some big guy. And I was like, okay. And what do you need me to do? Like, <laughs> like what's your point? Like, what's my job? And um, he's like, some of the content strange and disconcerting. It was very tame by, it was very tame. And so I was like, yeah, I can do it. And he shot every Tuesday. Yes, I can be there every Tuesday. You're not that far away from me. And I went in for the interview, which was basically his current girl um pa was leaving she was moving and so i went in and she was very nice and i went in and so she could like train me show me the ropes he could see me you know in action with makeup which is understandable and like show me the ropes yeah right okay and show me like everything and what they did and her and i hit it off and that meant that him and i hit it off and you know i I'm not always the best judge of character, but I can usually suss certain types of characters out right away. And I, I had his number like within about 30 seconds of meeting him. And I was like, all right, I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, uh-huh. I got you. And um, and he liked me. And so he hired me. So that was where I got my start. So I did everything for this man. And it and I'm not complaining about that. Like I learned, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I was nobody, you know, unemployed nobody. And I learned a lot from that job, which was really, which I still use those invaluable things that I've learned to this day. You know, like I didn't learn how to rig there by any means, but I watched him do his basic stuff. And I'm like, okay, I can figure this. I mean, this is not that difficult. 
you know, what he was doing. And there were times when he would be lazy and he would have me tie up the girl. I'm very basic, but I did it. And in his mind, because the type of person he was, was that it didn't matter how much he taught me about the business or about his business. I was a woman and I was, I was too stupid to ever do anything with it anyway. But I sussed that out in the very beginning. I was like, yes, I'm so stupid. Explain to me again and again. <laughs> First time you knew you had an absolute connection with another model you were working with. Getting back to that same story, it was during that time. And I only worked for this guy from, let's say, January till August when he had his heart attack. So just over six months. And we were only working together once a week and not every not every week consistently either because he was having some health issues. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure my attitude pissed him off too. But <laughs> um, anyway, during that time is when um, I met Lola Lynn. And I, she's not around anymore and hasn't been around for a long time. I don't know if you remember the name. But her and her husband would come in and he was super cool and he would just sit in the kitchen and read his book and while she did her thing and you know there were times when him and I were talking and he's like would you ever do this in front of the camera and I was like this doesn't look that difficult like sure and um I ended up doing a shoot for the guy, I may, I'm like, I'm ready to be in front of the camera. I just need some more money. Let's just do this. And I used a different name and it, the name on his, well, I don't even know if I'm, I, I don't, I think he took my content down after a while, but he changed it to Nixon, which whatever. Um, anyway, that led to uh, me going, her and I became friends. I became friends with the, with the two of them and her and I became friends. And then we subsequently toured together for about a year or two. 2009 into 2010 and then she had some family explosions and she's no longer in the industry um so that was the first I guess the first person that I really kind of connected with and then we did a lot of shoots together a lot of tours together do you remember the first reaction you got to one of your modeling pictures where somebody contacted you and said something other than well, you're hot, but I actually do. felt like it was a true compliment. Oh, um, I don't, um, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember. I mean, it, how about a time then? I, I, I don't, um, <laughs> I remember the ones that were not true compliments <laughs> when they told me I was too skinny. I needed to eat. That was that was a fun time in the beginning of my career. <laughs> That's so amazing to me because it almost comes off as people aren't happy no matter how you are. Right. I mean, I have been, I mean, I my body's very different now because my, you know, I'm older and my body has changed. So I look very different now than I did at that time. But at that time, I was that size my entire life. And I ate a lot of food and I was very, very healthy. And, um, I mean, it was on fat life. So like, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but mm -hmm. it's still, and I, it didn't hurt my feelings. So I was like, well, that sounds like a you problem and not a me problem, but it was just, but it was so shitty. Like it didn't need to be said, you know, I'm putting myself out there and 
you're hiding behind your keyboard. We talked about connections. Mm -hmm. First time you ever worked with Scott Church. What was it like? Oh, boy. Um, it was very last minute and kind of haphazard. Um, I mean, he was fine. I, he, him and his then assistant were in Pittsburgh shooting a wedding. And they were staying at an Airbnb in the north side. And so, and, and of course, it's Pittsburgh and where he's from is only four hours apart. So they drove. And there was no sense of urgency to like, you know, leave in the morning. And he messaged me and was like, I'm in Pittsburgh. Do you want to shoot? Or or maybe I saw that he was there and I messaged him. Um, and this was uh, like October, November of 2009. And we had just met at that FatCon. And I was like, oh my God, it's got church to shoot. What do I do? Do I need to get like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then I go over to like this Airbnb and it was so casual. <laughs> it was just so casual what is it that he brings out in you yeah i i don't know um i mean scott and i are very similar in age so we grew up around you know the same time so we were in to the same things at the same time so there's a lot of connection there um i always get excited when i meet someone in my own age range in this industry because most people were born the year i graduated high school <laughs> <laughs> yep so that's always fun for me and then we kind of just connected right away um i think with interest but also like i really liked his work i will use this opportunity to promote the fact that this friday mm -hmm. coming up on the program the friday after halloween we will have exclusively on our youtube channel an interview i did with scott down at FetishCon. really and it is esoteric, insightful. Mm -hmm. It's not what you would expect an interview with a photographer who takes the kind of pictures and does the kind of art that he does. It's okay. really a trip into a mind. Yeah, he is definitely a trip into a mind. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we're going to take a break here on what women and other wonderful humans want. And when we come back, we will go into the various files of Nixon, whether they be bondage files, femdom files, or any files. We'll be back when we return. We're presented by Dating Kinky with special thanks to Kinkster Merch on Etsy. For more than three years, we have presented this podcast as a labor of love without paid advertisers. We do this as we want to give back to this wonderful community for all the gifts it has given us. If you want to financially support our efforts, please visit bit.ly slash thanks catsuit and give what you can to help Catsuit travel, teach, and bring you great in-person interviews. We will give you that address again later in the show. Now... Here are some words from Catsuit's friends about things you should know about. Hi, Catsuit. Thank you so much for sharing your wholesome space with the team of Fetish Bacchanal. Sparkle the Brat and I, Goddess Alanis, will be hosting a three-day Kinkfield retreat in Jamaica, June 28th to the 30th, 2024. This is going to be an escape of a property with a cleansing mineral cave right in the heart of it. Follow at Fetish Bacchanal 
on Twitter for more updates on ticket links, vending, performances, and more. Welcome to the Yoniverse. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Anya. The Flaming Yoni podcast is a celebration of the beautiful and unique expressions of female sexuality. From asexual to megasexual, from lifelong monogamy to relationship anarchy, from deep spiritual bonds of sacred union to spur of the moment flames. It is all infused with Yoni energy. Search for the Flaming Yoni on your favorite podcast platform. You will not leave the same as when you came. We are proud to be the official podcast of FetishCon, and we want you to join us in St. Petersburg, Florida, August 8th through 11th, 2024. The trade show brings together models, producers, industry leaders, and fans from all over the world, and brings you great classes in kink or how to become an industry professional. You can get all the details at fetishcon.com. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Empowering designs for fetish models, doms, sex workers, or anyone else who needs to be seen as their authentic selves. Visit the What Women Want podcast store at Kingster Merch on Etsy to see those and other wonderful designs for all Kingsters. Now, back to the show and more with our guests on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the program, and thank you, Nookie. I am joined by Nixon, who has been a model since 2008. But, oh my gosh, the different work that you have done since then has been remarkable. Thank you. You have been in front of the camera as the person being tied. You've been in front of the camera in just some amazingly beautiful pictures, you have been the one that has been doing the tying. Mm-hmm. You also have been and are, again, a pro-dom where yes. you bring people's fantasies to life. Yes. Do any of those define who you are or do they all feed into each other? Um, I mean, I think they all feed into each other. You know, like the dom part of me, I think it's, even when I wasn't actively holding sessions, I mean, I feel that that is a, that is something that you don't get dressed up and go do. It, it has to be here in your heart and it definitely has to be here in your head. And even when I was taking a forced hiatus from from acting out and, and sessioning and that never goes away. Do you know what I mean? Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's part of who I am. Like, I feel you can certainly learn how to do certain things and you should learn how to do certain things in that, in that, in that realm. Um, Absolutely. But no one can put that in your heart and no one can put that in your head. On the other side of it, Mm -hmm. I think that there are subs or bottoms or whatever you want to call them 
that can only do that if you're wearing your latex or your corsets or your boots. Yes. But then there are others that would do it if you were wearing a, a t-shirt and shorts or pajamas. Probably, yes. <laughs> when you get someone like that, how good yeah. does it make you feel? Um, I mean, someone who doesn't really care what I wear and I can be mm -hmm. more comfortable. Um, the lazy part of me is like, yay. But... <laughs> But um, I still feel pretty good. You know what I mean? It, it's the attitude. I mean, I mean, clearly, when you put on the more traditional, like leather, latex, you know, the whole thing, it it, it really helps for me to actually kind of sink into that role. Mm -hmm. Like before I session, like I have to do a whole thing at my apartment. Like I don't like to shoot and then session in the same day. I have done it before. It is not my favorite because I really got to switch gears in quick if I want to give this guy a good session. And it's very hard, but I do this whole thing where I just have to get in the mindset. Um, but I can still get into it if somebody wants me in a bikini and I'm doing scissor holds. You know, if somebody wants me in jeans and t-shirts because he has like a MILF mom fetish, then absolutely I can fulfill that for him. Um, it might take me a little bit of a, more of a hot minute to get into the role. But I mean, I think if it's here and if it's here, like I talked about before, then you're as a professional, you should be good to go. Would you give me the honor of kind of taking us through what that routine is to get into the moment? <laughs> well, if I'm shooting that day, it's getting everybody the fuck out of my house. Like, go, get out. Thank you for your time. <laughs> go. Um, if it's not, it's, you know, um, I need to start the process a little earlier than even getting ready for a shoot. You know, I need to make sure that I've caffeinated. I need to make sure that I've eaten because nobody wants to be I mean maybe the hanger would help a bit but like I don't feel very good when I'm hungry you know and I'm not and I'm distracted I have this dungeon playlist that I put together and I actually listen to it as I'm getting ready like doing my makeup and hair and you know packing my, my packing my bag just to kind of start getting into that mindset I'll listen to it in the drive over to the dungeon and then I'll put it on as I'm setting up for the session to kind of get in. I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty simple like thing, but you, I have to do it. I can't just like roll in off the street and like get into that mindset. Like I had, it's, it's like a whole, um, not really, um, it's a whole like ritual, mm -hmm. let's just say that I have to do. When someone walks into your dungeon, mm -hmm. kind of paint a picture for me and tell me what the vibe is that you are going for when you laid out your dungeon. Um, like when I'm like when I'm preparing for the individual session. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's I guess it's different because different people want different things, like a foot. And like worship session is going, you know, it's going to be way different than somebody who wants like corporal punishment, you know? Um, so I guess the vibe is, you know, I open the door and it, your session starts. Like we may have a little bit of chit chat in the beginning, especially if it's uh, somebody I, I haven't seen before, um, just so we can kind of go through what we're going to do. And sometimes they bring their own things. So I need to, you know, incorporate that into what I'm doing, but the vibe, you know, the vibe is, hello, no, oh, come right in, get comfortable. You are no longer in charge. It's all about me. 
I'm just listening to that and I'm smiling. <laughs> because for me, being a part of a scene, mm -hmm. I always start my negotiations with this line. I want to be stuck in a moment I can't get out of. Mm, I like now that. that may mean tie me up as much as you possibly can and make me happy. Yes. And and, and I'm I'm not saying that that's that's not anybody's job. That's just what's sure, going sure. through my head. Sure. But it can also mean capture the mind and see what's going to happen when you have him totally around your finger and what can I do at this time? Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't lay all my cars out. Like when, as soon as they're, they walk in the door, I mean, who wants to know exactly what's going to happen to that within reason, you know, as long as it's within what we talked about, what they, what they want to experience, you know, I like the element of surprise and, you know, I think it's just, you know, the look on their face when they're like, Oh God, this is what I is so rewarding and um you know so when they have that look on their face mm -hmm. do you have sort of an improv mind of 50 different things that i could do because this this look is so beautiful or do you have a specific plan that you've laid out um mm. I like to say that I have a plan, but like, even when I have a plan, like I'm always deviating because you have to feed off the energy, you know, as you know, and it, it, I could have like the best laid out plan, but if they're not into what I'm doing, like, I'm not going to keep persevering because that's like, why? And, mm -hmm. and they're not going to get what they want. And it's, it's not going to be a good scene or a good session, you know, in cat, um, but also <laughs> with the same, you know, on the same token, you know, I could have this laid, well laid out plan and they're enjoying it and wanting to take it and in, in inclinating, you know, you know, that they want to take it further. And I'm like, oh crap, you know, so I have to be able to pivot and like, how can I make this like more for them? So I think it's good to have backup plans as well. Or, you know, I mean, my mind's kind of chaotic because I have ADHD and I don't do anything about it. So it never stops. So, you know, and when I'm, and I shoot the same way, like, oh, this is my plan. These are my ideas. These are my props. These are my wardrobe. And then halfway through the clip, I'm like, stop, I have a brainstorm. We're going to do this. This is how we're going to change it. And everyone's like, okay. So, you know, I mean, my mind works in a very similar fashion when I session, you know, we could be in the middle of something. Oh my God, this would be so much cooler if I did this. And maybe I didn't write it down, but who cares? Because, you know, spontaneity, is, I think it's very fun. The first time I ever saw, and this was a male Dom, mm -hmm. do super heavy impact with his sub, it scared the hell out of me because I wasn't used to major heavy impact. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when I said, you scare the hell out of me, to the point where I'm almost worried that he's hurting her. This was back in my early years before I knew what this wonderful world was all about. Sure. He said to his, uh, come over here, tell Catsuit what you're feeling when I'm hitting you. 
And she said, it's the only time when my mind is straight. It's the only time when my ADHD mind isn't thinking of 50,000 different things. It's uh, the one time when my mind can be in the moment and be able to move forward. Oh, Is it the same thing for a top with ADHD? Uh, I, I don't know because I kind of, since I'm in charge and I'm doing all this stuff that could be potentially dangerous if it's done wrong, I have to focus. So I have to force myself to focus on what's what what I'm doing and at the same time think about what I'm doing next. So um, I would say that just having, for safety reasons, having to do that, yes, my mind is very straight. But that also I have to do that when I shoot clips because even though I have an assistant and a camera person, I'm still in charge, like it's my show and people are gonna take my cues. So if I'm in my bedroom digging around, then the model's gonna be in the bathroom digging around and my camera person's gonna be on the phone. And do you know what I mean? So I suck like, all right, go get dressed, go get this, go get this. Okay, come on, everybody, let's go. I'm still in charge. So I have to force myself to be, to focus. When I'm sessioning, it's more for safety reasons. Well, I don't want to squander anybody's session time either, but it's for safety reasons. Because if I'm not paying attention, something bad could really happen. What do you do for yourself that gives you that respite of the craziness of your mind? sleep <laughs> um at the end of the night when the work is done i sit on the couch and just veg out to, to shows and i don't think about anything um sometimes if i'm not too tired i'll read um i'm an avid reader i was a huge avid reader when i was much younger um the older i get and the worse my attention span is the harder it is and I'm the type of person who has four books going at the same time. None of them ever get finished when I used to read like a book every other day. So when I'm alone, it's very hard for me to focus. I'm always alone. So I'm used to it. I'd love to get some tips and tricks. Um, everybody sucks. I don't like people. <laughs> And some people deserve that. They do. I am not a big fan of men. Go figure. I, I, I can understand that. <laughs> but when you find good humans and you mm -hmm. want to be around them, they can bring out the best in you. Absolutely. So when you find that special partner or that special sub, when does that time just turn and allow you to go, I don't have anything to worry about. This is natural. So let's talk about this. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I did my first session after like a close to seven year hiatus. I mean, I had done some like easy, like foot sessions here and there over the years, but nothing that required, I mean, nothing that required any kind of brain power or mm -hmm. getting really into that top role. Um, so anyway, I did my first session and I was super nervous because I was like, what if I suck? You know, it's been so long. This, this is my first time in a strange dungeon. Like I'd gone there to, you know, to see it, but it's still my first time. I don't 
what if, what if I fumble around? What if I can't find anything? What if I look like the hapless Dom that is fumbling? You know, that, those are all legit concerns. And I, um, and I was really nervous. And I was like, maybe I should cancel and give him his money back. You know, I, I wasn't, but those are all the things that that I go through my mind. And I was, it's a twelve minute drive from my apartment. The whole time I'm like, oh my god, I have my dungeonless play. I'm like, come on, get in the mode, get in the mode. And I got there, and I just was like, well, you're here. It's showtime, you know. It's showtime. So, <laughs> you know, I got I got dressed, and and the suit. And it was funny because I have a, a personal friend of mine who is a lifestyler sub. Um, we don't do anything together because I don't like to cross that line with personal friends who I meet through vanilla channels. I just I just don't think it's ethical for me. Anyway, so I texted him and because he, he, he was giving me, he's like, good luck today. I know it's a big day for you. And I texted him my concerns and he was super sweet. And he said, you know, I think the fact that you're so nervous and you're he's like, and you feel this way just shows how much you care about what you're doing. And he's like, as soon as you get into, into it, he's like, you're going to be fine. He's like, just remember who you are. Remember this, this person wants to see you and nobody can give them what you can give them. And I was like, thanks. I mean, that really, it really helped. And so I got to the dungeon and I'm still like, oh. And he knocked on the door and I was like, oh my God, no turning back. And as soon as I opened the door, like a, like a light switch flipped and it was like, I was on and he, and he, well, I'm in high heels, but he was also, he's probably about my height. So he's very short. He's looking up at me and I was like, well, 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 come on in. It's about time we finally meet. And to make it worse, he had waited seven years a session with me. So like the pressure was on, right? <laughs> yeah, he contacted me after I moved down here and I was like, I'm sorry. I'm like, not only, and I'm not gonna, I was never gonna tell anybody what happened because it's nobody's business and it's embarrassing. But um, I was like, I don't have a place to session, which was the truth. And I was like, I'm just not really able to do it right now. And he was like, oh, and I would tease certain things over the years online and it just, you know, and, but it ended up not being the right time for me. And he would always be like, oh, I'm waiting. And he wasn't annoying. He would just, but he was genuinely like, is it, are you offering it now? And I'm like, I'll let you know, I'll let you know when I get it together. And then finally things all came together this year. And, um, and he was, yeah. So talk about a lot of pressure. I'm like, man, better not suck as you said, it's nobody's business what happened. Mm -hmm. But how difficult was it to walk away? The walk away was easy. It was that for me, it was the aftermath. And, and, and it was, that was easy. There was no question that that was a terrible situation. And I was in danger, not physical danger, but just mental and emotional traumatic danger. And um, I reached a really low point from that situation. Um, it was the aftermath and dealing and processing what had happened to me because, and then I was angry for like, angry at myself for like letting, like, like I'm better than this, you know, like I'm better than what I went through and I'm better than this person. And I was mad at myself at them, not anymore, but I was mad at myself for, for being so vulnerable and letting myself get so beat up, not physically. I like, I like to make that clear. Mm -hmm. And you know, for getting, you know, like allowing myself to be so emotionally and mentally battered and going to places in my mind that I never thought I'd go to, um, you know, so you feel all, all the range of emotions. So that was the hardest part. And then it's like, 
then I had, I quit drinking and actually it was December 31st, 2019. I was like, yeah, 2020 going into prohibition. And then COVID hit and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I needed to clean up my act. Um, I mean, I've always been a heavy drinker and it's nothing that I'm ashamed of, but when I stopped being a fun, good time drunk and I got mean and bitter and acted in ways that I didn't, people told me, I'm like, I didn't even recognize myself. I'm like, right, this needs to stop. I need to get a hold of myself. And I then I did it. Um, it was after that, um, and the fog started to clear from everything, is when I really truly started the road to healing in myself within myself. And I did a lot of a lot of shadow work. I did a lot of internal reflection. Um, I didn't do any therapy. I don't recommend that. I always recommend therapy. Do as I say, not as I do. I just didn't do it. And I tackled everything on my own. I probably would have gone through the process faster had I sought out therapy, but that was my choice. And that's the one that I made. Um, so then I let go of the anger. And then I had to keep telling myself, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. People are assholes. It's not your fault. Someone chose to treat you like that. It's not your fault. You were led there under false pretenses. And that is not your fault you were stuck in a situation because of someone led that you under false pretenses. And that is not your fault. And then, you know, I don't know how much internal reflection you've done in your life, but once you start and the ball keeps rolling and rolling and snowballing, you think about all your past decisions and your entire life going back till you were in high school. And then um, I just kept getting angry at myself. I'm like, well, realize that the people you are attracting are beneath you and you were in not a good place at any of those times um, because you weren't recognizing your worth and you were lowering yourself to be with these people. That took a lot of work for me to get there. And I'm not saying it like I'm full of myself or I think I'm better than anybody. I mean, I do, but do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just, I had to realize why does this keep happening to me? Now, the last one, that was by far like the worst that I've ever experienced in my life. But, you know, I had to do all that shadow work and all that reflection and realize that this isn't your fault. Only you can fix it. So fucking fix it. Why does it keep happening to me? Right. Oh, my gosh. That's such a question. Right. And, and, and really, like, that kind of is your fault, but like, it's not your fault either. You shouldn't beat yourself up, up over it. You know, it just, but you should do the work and recognize, why does this keep happening to me? Okay, let's think about the choices. And then and the light bulb went on. And I was like, oh, my God, all these guys, not all of them, but like most of them are the same person. Hmm. You know, I mean, to different varying degrees, some weren't as bad, some just weren't good fits and some just, you know, but they were all the same person. And I was like, I am so much better than that. Why, you know, but now I can recognize red flags in a blink of an eye. So I guess that's good, right? <laughs> that was like a strange question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Right. What was the first piece of your heart that you picked up that allowed you to start healing? Oh, um, 
I took, I took control of my business. Not that I might, I was never not in control of my business and not that anybody else was ever in control of my business, but when I got my own apartment and he moved across the country and I got my own apartment and I suddenly, when we were kind of done, but I was suddenly like, Oh my God, my own space. Now I had lived together. I had lived by myself prior to moving down here for 15 years. So I've always had my own space and I was just to have my own space again, where I wasn't going to get yelled at. I wasn't going to be banished to another room. I wasn't going to be given the silent treatment. I can spend $5 and not get yelled at by someone who's $20,000 in debt, you know, those types of things. And that was so instrumental in my healing and to start that process, because even if he did text me, even if he did telephone me, even if I did see him in person, I don't have to live with you anymore. I don't have to deal with your bullshit. I don't have to listen to you. I can just walk away. And if you throw a tantrum, I don't give a shit. And when that happened and I was like, oh my God. And then, and then, you know, you have a lot of realizations and sometimes they trickle in over a couple of, you know, a period of time. And sometimes it's like, you're, you know, someone's like throwing, you know, explosives at your brain, like, oh God, all of this stuff. Um, <clears throat> I, I realized that you know, he put up the facade of trying to build me up, which he didn't need to do because he was brand new and I was not um, in the industry. And he had this facade of, oh, I want to build you up and I want you to be better. He's really just doing that and setting me up to be torn down. And I was like, yeah, yeah. You think, okay, yeah. Oh yeah, you want me to quit the industry? Mm -mm, I'm going to be better. And that's when I just got my head out of my ass and I invested the money that I had and I worked, did a bunch of stuff to get more, you know, invested into like new equipment, new ideas, new editing programs, new this, new that. I got new lights and, you know, all those things. So that I feel was the first like piece of my heart because my, my business is my heart, you know? So it was that. We're going to take a break. And when we come back on what women and other wonderful humans want, we're going to talk business. And we're going to talk about all those files that we were talking about as the ultra-talented Nixon is our guest on what women and other wonderful humans want presented by Dating Kinky with special thanks to Kinkster Merch on Etsy. Connect with the show on social media. Follow us on Twitter, because that's what we still call it, at WhatWomenWantP1. On Instagram, as long as they don't suspend us, at WhatWomenWantPodcast. On Pinkster, at WhatWomenWantPodcast. And on FetLife as WWWPodcast. And if you want to follow our host, that's easy, as they are Hi There Catsuit on all platforms. We'd love to hear from you, so be sure to reach out. Now, some more words with Catsuit's friends. Are you curious about kink but don't know where to begin? <laughs> or maybe you have a friend who, while they appreciate your interest in BDSM, they don't really understand what it's all about. You should check out Kink for the Curious. It's a fun little activity book with color pages and word finds, lots of silly puns, <laughs> uh, but lots of solid BDSM and kink information 
written by somebody who's been in the business for almost 30 years. King for the Curious, a BDSM activity book for beginners, written by Princess Natasha Strange, and that's me, <laughs> is available on Amazon. Go get it now. Craptaculous boundaries are not your fault. The more severe the dysfunction you experienced growing up, the more difficult boundaries are for you. David W. Earle. Or as Ms. Titania said, nobody ever warns you that when you come from dysfunction, a healthy mind can feel unsafe. We spend our lives being controlled by others, so we learn to control others. Or we allow others to control us in exchange for love. Learn more about Take No Shit Build better relationships through discovering, creating, and maintaining healthy boundaries in three, sometimes five, simple steps at my.curiouser.life. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Thank you for joining us. Please show your support of the show by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and leaving us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our video channel at youtube.com slash at what women want podcast. And to financially support the show, which we greatly appreciate, please visit bit.ly slash thanks catsuit and give what you can to help catsuit travel, teach, and bring you great in-person interviews. We very much appreciate it. This is Milky. And Dating Kinky has brought you this podcast since day one. We believe in great education for our community. And this is just one of our efforts. Please join us at Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Welcome back to the program. I am happy to be joined by Nixon, who categorizes a lot of what she does by files, the bondage files, the femdom files. What is your fascination with files? I don't really know. I mean, I'm, I'm of German descent and I'm very, very highly organized. <laughs> <laughs> so you do so many different things. You do have so many different clips for sale sites that cater to various interests mm -hmm. is there one you like doing more than another or is it whatever the flavor of the day makes you feel i think the problem is that i like doing all of it you know i couldn't pick just one like if someone's like you only have to shoot you can only shoot bondage the rest of your life i'd like well okay but i miss the other stuff or someone's like you can only feed models to sleeping bags the rest of your career i mean Sure, but you know, I'm missing a big part of some other stuff that really get me that kind of get me going. So 
But let's talk about the different ones. There's the bondage files where you are tying amazing models up. Yes. I know that one happens to be with you right now because I said hi to her earlier and she's a friend of mine. Yes. When you get to work with other models, what is it that makes you click? Um, I mean, sometimes we don't click and that's kind of a problem, but um, sometimes we do. I mean, a lot of it's the personality. I mean, I, I'm very serious about my work and the money, but I'm not a serious person on set because I feel if I want to go be serious at work and I'll get a job in a bank. Um, I think this should be fun. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like this should be fun. And if you're familiar enough with my work to, you know, see my goofy ideas. <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of what makes it click is just like the chemistry you have on, on set. I mean, some girls bring a whole lot more than just like a pretty face and showing up. Um, I like people who aren't, who are good at acting, aren't afraid to ad lib, that, that get it. Um, usually models who produce themselves tend to be a little better about it, but not always, you know, people you, know, you can jag around with, as we say in Pittsburgh on set, always makes it fun. Yens. Yens. No, he's <laughs> up there and that. Up there and that. You have the fetish files, which I can be a number of different things. Is there a fetish that makes you super happy? Um, yeah, that was actually my first story I ever opened up. That was my first one. Um, there's like, there's a lot of stuff on there, but I'm trying to like, pare it down to like just the things that are more like passion driven for me. Like, I really like the vampire content because I have this dumb little character that I play who's the Nix Faratu, And she has this ridiculous accent that changes during the clip because I don't can't really do accents. And she's an eccentric vampire and i'm always wearing something silly like i think like an antique robe with like weird lingerie and like vintage gold heels i think i had like a beret on in one thing and i it just ridiculousness she's a lot of fun um she i gets must hear nick sferatu <laughs> oh my god um Oh, welcome. Oh, it's so nice meeting you in the club. Oh, yes, I am a real vampire. Yes, I'm pretending my fangs are fake. <laughs> because then the cat, then I'm like, oh, my cat, oh, 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 two damsels. Oh. I love it. It's stupid. <laughs> but I will tell you that the accent. <laughs> It's stupid. <laughs> it's stupid, but some people, I know that, and I don't know if it's politically correct to like it right now, but if Olivia Akula or uh, Goddess Alexandra Balance uh, or Mistress Alexandra Balance were to um, start speaking to me in their accents right now, I'd be like, yeah, please do whatever you want to. <laughs> So to have a certain kind of accent, as you say, and yes. here is a little bit of uh, Nick Rato, you know, he's very good to me and it makes me very feel very good. Yeah, I understand that. I was dating a guy who lived in Mexico for a little bit and I was like, just talk to me, just talk to me, talk to me. <laughs> See, I don't care what you say, talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Then there's the femdom files, which is one of the few places 
that it seems that you can see male bondage on a regular basis because guys aren't necessarily turned on by watching other guys get tied up unless they are imagining themselves in that position. Yeah, well, you'd be surprised how many guys like to watch girls getting tied up for that very same reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I told <laughs> Christina Carter when she was on the show all the those episodes ago that what turns me on, I yeah, I love what you're wearing. Obviously, you wear cat suits and leotards and, and shiny tights, and I love all that. But what turns me on is I want to be you. It's very common. So what is it about that mindset that just makes us want to be that? I don't know. Um, like, I don't. The thing that surprised me the most when I got into the industry was oh, not everyone, for sure, but more than I, I mean, I was surprised quite a few male bondage producers actually prefer to get tied up themselves. Interesting. That, that blew my mind when I found that out. Blew my mind. And then after I found that out, I was like, I own you every time we shoot. <laughs> I love <laughs> the art of rope. Mm-hmm. I got to do a rope scene with uh, an um, amazing person the last time there was a party here in Cincinnati. And it was the first time I felt like I had been absolutely bound where she could manipulate me at any time. Mm-hmm. And it felt great. But what felt even more wonderful was as the ropes were going around me. It's a physical hypnosis. Mm-hmm. that you can't get any other way. Do you feel that same way as a top as you're looping those ropes around and does it kind of put you in a beautiful space as well? Much more so than when I'm rope bottoming. Like really? I, I have never gone into subspace. Uh, never. Ever. Wow. I've never, yeah. I mean, I like rope. I can't get tied up anymore because I just have too many physical injuries. So I uh, <clears throat> quietly not doing that anymore. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I I've never gone into subspace. Period, and definitely not, certainly not with rope. Um, even all those scenes I did with you know all that work I did with Eric Kane way back when, <laughs> it was more like about okay, I'll just check out so I can survive the shoot. But there was no like euphoric subspace happening. It was like, don't die, don't die, don't die. <laughs> I have talked to Ariel Anderson. I've talked to Carissa <laughs> Dumont. I've talked to Rachel Adams. And I say, so you've been Eric Kaned. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we did a lot of work together in 2010 and 11 and maybe into 12. In 2011, Eric Kane and I took three weeks to drive across country and back. I don't know where that man gets his ideas from. I don't want to know, and I never want to go there. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't, I never felt that way at the bottom, but as a top, um, it it is a bit different for me. You know, I don't, clearly don't subspace, but it's that, it's the feelings and like, I call it the top high. 
you know, like after you're done with a session, like I rode that top high till the next morning when I woke up and I was like, I couldn't even sleep. I was like, this was so awesome. Yeah, um, but yeah, it certainly happens. I mean, maybe not so much when I'm shooting all the time because it's more about just quickly getting the content and whatever, but sometimes for sure, you know, especially if I can tell the girl is into it and I don't mean like into it inappropriately. I just mean like, you know, we're going back and forth, we're having fun together and it's, it's a different kind of a different feeling than just like mechanically tying somebody up. Are there times when you will do ties just for you? No, hmm. I work enough, John. <laughs> I understand. I was just, uh, because sometimes when you enjoy doing something, mm -hmm. like I started this podcast because I was a television broadcaster and producer for 35 years your broadcast voice came from i was going to ask that. thank you very much but it was because i wanted to interview people because i'm naturally <laughs> curious and so i started this podcast so i could interview people right. but i wanted to interview people that i was genuinely curious about what made them who they are and so that's why i asked do sometimes you do it for yourself um, no, I, I don't. I mean, I, I work enough. I shoot enough. Um, I don't need people to come over here and me tie them up. I mean, I, I don't really care for that. Um, I did go to BoundCon this past year, though. I was a I was a featured rigger, like the only female featured rigger, which was pretty huge. Mm -hmm. And as I as they you know paid for me to be there, it still was kind of for me. You know, like I wasn't shooting clips. I didn't get any. I didn't get like financially compensated or anything. Um, so that was, that was kind of like for me and working off the cuff and it was, you know, since we're not shooting a clip or anything like that, you know, I, I talked to the model the entire time. I, I, I tied up a lot that weekend, like it was pretty, pretty rough, but um, you know, you're talking to the model joking and, and you know, it, it's a different experience than tying somebody up for clips. So that kind of could have been more like for me and like mm -hmm. in that, in that sense. And that, that was pretty cool. That was fun. The last of the files mm. that I see here, because you do femdom POV, and that makes sense. What are nasty nylon sluts? Well, that was my, that was my passion project. I don't do it. The, the store is still there, and you can still okay. buy. Um, that was my passion project. I don't shoot for it anymore. Um, it ended up not being as awesome as I wanted it to be, and then <laughs> the money was cutting into my budget to shoot things that actually made me money. Um, and I'm not embarrassed to say that. I mean, you have to try things, you mm -hmm. know, when you're self-employed, you, if you have only one stream of income, you're probably not going to do so good. <laughs> um, but I, do you remember, do you remember Girdlebound? Yes. Richard, well, you know, he passed in 2020, right? Mm. So him and I were very, very close. And before he got sick and before he passed, him and I were in the process of moving all of his lingerie inventory here to St. Petersburg. And I have a storage unit. I have like my Christmas tree in, I get dining room tables, you know, things. And in that same uh, storage space, we rented a bigger space to put all of his stuff in. And I was, you know, we were going to relaunch the website and remarket and rebrand re with a new name. My friend Javier designed, did this whole like marketing campaign for us and designed all this cool stuff. And in order to get some capital going, I was posting stuff on eBay just to get some of this shit just moved. 
And then he passed. And then I got everything. Like I went to Maryland and cleaned out his house mm. and I got everything. And I kept the eBay store going. It's still there. I still have it. I have so much to sell. Uh, kept it going so I could get rid of it and, you know, make money. But I had kind of an idea. I had all these pieces and I, st I have all these, all this lingerie that I've collected, you know, mainly through his channels. And it's just sitting in my closet. Like I don't fit into it anymore because I am no longer 110 pounds. But <laughs> um, and, and there's some really cool pieces, like some unique, basically antique pieces. And I have other stuff too, like so like so many stockings and everything. I really kind of that store was twofold. It was to kind of give those pieces like their day in the sun to shine and dress models up in them and may have them feel good about themselves and then masturbate because that's what sells clips but also to kind of it was like my homage to him you know because mm -hmm. because he helped me we also met in 2009 the same fat con i met scott church i met him and we became friends not right away but like that year i, I went to visit him and we became friends but then we got closer and, and closer and closer as time went on and it was my homage to him i, I kind of like a, a thank you for everything that he had ever done for me when he was alive and it did okay. Um, it was hard to shoot because like I said, I only have so much budget and it was cutting into, it wasn't making the money I needed to even be self-sufficient. It mm -hmm. was cutting into my budget for the stores that actually do make me money. So I recently stopped, like just finally decided, you know what? You're not a failure. You didn't fail. Some things just don't work out. You created some beautiful products with a lot of really, awesome models and that store will be there until poops for sale implodes, you know? So that's what that was. And the whole point of that store for me was to not be in any clips. <laughs> so I had but, fun with it, but it's just, it's, you know, it's there, you can check it out, but it's nothing new will be added. As the official podcast of FetishCon, I mm -hmm almost am contractually obligated to ask you this question. What does FetishCon mean to you? Um, It's meant different things to me over the years. Like before I moved to Florida, I, it's still a custom. Before I moved to Florida, you know, I was touring full time, mostly by myself. So I was only seeing like producers in different cities and I never really got to see the models and unless they happened to be on set that day. They was like, oh my God. So I always <clears throat> looked at FetCon as, you know, it's the high school reunion that you want to go to and everybody's really cool and you're excited to see everybody. I still feel the same way now that I live here and I, you know, see people all the time, <laughs> um, you know, so I, I guess it's the same. And, but I don't really shoot much at FetCon anymore. I don't shoot other models during FetCon because there's no, there's no need to do that. So now it's much more more relaxed for me and I get to Uber home at the end of the night and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. You don't have to hear what's going on in the hallways, although it can be pretty awesome from time to time. time to I have time. a funny story that I won't tell now about uh, <laughs> Anastasia Pierce and Kendra James and Jean Bardot <laughs> singing at the top of their lungs. And I actually went in and sang my kinky parody of Sweet Caroline called Beat Caroline. <laughs> I am telling the story uh, called Beat Caroline while uh, Anastasia Pierce hit me with a clips for sale paddle and Temptress Raven Eve was hitting me with a Louboutin 
fluffy slipper <laughs> to the beat of the song. Sounds and like that a- was my last night at FetishCon. Sounds like FetCon. Yep. I want to close with some questions about your modeling. Okay. And today I went through the gallery on Nixon Agogo. Oh, wow. All right. And the thing that I noticed is you have so many different personalities in that. There is the sultry Nixon. There is the serious Nixon. There is the super happy and nearly giddy Nixon. There's the classy Nixon. There's the a little bit trashy Nixon. There's so many characters that you exemplify because you have this talent to bring forth so many personalities. Oh, thank you. But I ask you a difficult question. What is it in you that allows you to, in front of the camera, seize every one of those personalities and make them your own? Um. I'm a cancer, so I'm very motivated by whatever mood I'm in at the moment. And I think that probably answers your question. <laughs> it probably had a lot to do with the mood I was in at the moment. Um, the person who was shooting me, <laughs> did I like them? Did I not like them? Or um, also too, like all those photographers have different styles. You know, like Bob Coulter has a completely different style than Chaz Kreider and Scott Church. You know, Bob Coulter's stuff is awesomely trashy. And Chaz Kreider's stuff is so not that, but they're still trashy. You know what I mean? And then Scott's is just so different than either of that. And I think a lot of it probably has to do for me with I, I should say a lot of that has to do with my personal relationships with those photographers as well. Do you think when people meet you that they can genuinely see you or do they just see their vision of the pictures? I don't know. I mean, I've never asked anybody. Um, I mean, I put up so many walls, especially when I'm in public. I really don't know who they see. I mean, they probably only see what I, the person I want them to see, especially if I'm in an event. Um, Nixon is is very different than the person in me who is not Nixon. I mean, not really. I mean, they're all a part of me, right? I'm, it's not completely like, you know, one end of the spectrum to the other. But there's a certain definitely a certain way I carry myself at an industry event versus if I'm sitting on the couch with the model that's staying with me watching scary ghost stories, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, when I'm hanging out with non-industry friends, it's completely different. Like, you know, walls are down. Um, I don't need to, I can just, I can say whatever I want. I have to watch what I'm saying, who's listening. And there's no expectation of who I'm supposed to be. How would you like to be seen? I, you know, I think how I am seen is, is, is good for me. You know, like when I'm at an event, I should be seen as Nixon. Do you know what I mean? I mean, those in the industry who are close enough to me and, you know, cause I do have some extremely close friends within the industry. Like they know me, like they know the, honestly Nixon's not the real me, but they know me. Like we've, you know, 
been hanging out long enough that they've seen, you know, when the walls are down and, and, and the real me comes through. Um, I think when I'm at an event, like they should see Nixon because that's, that's who they, they, they want to see. That's, you know, why I'm there. So, and if I, if I trust you enough and I feel comfortable enough around you and I feel comfortable enough with the rest of the people in the room, then maybe, maybe the not Nixon person might come out too, but, and she's completely different. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending a little bit longer than we normally do with people. You're such a fascinating, such a lovely person. I have enjoyed every second of this and I look forward to watching how your journey continues and maybe even catching up at, at FetishCon next year. Oh, I, I wish you nothing but the best. And I hope that you know that somebody will listen to your story today and really take it to heart and realize the courage and the perseverance and the guts that you have and oh. have been able to make it. And I, so much admiration for me, Nixon, so much admiration. Yeah, thank you so much, John. What a lovely lady and such an amazing story. I hope that you felt like I did and was inspired by her perseverance and her ability to come back the way she has. She never really went away, but the fact is she's living her best life now and I will always cheer for that. Have you missed an episode or want to catch up on our nearly 200 episodes? All our shows are available in the archives. And here's what's coming up on the next edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. She's the one and only Dr. Allie, Allison Ash, teaching us about relationships and when to repair the fractures. We talk about that and a lot more when Allison Ash, Dr. Allie, joins me next time. New shows premiere every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Special thanks to Nixon for being with us. And we are counting down to our 200th episode. It is coming up on December 19th when we will be joined by the legendary Mistress Stephanie Locke, who got her start back in the Harmony Communications days and has made her way through a wonderful journey that spans over five decades. Mistress Stephanie Locke coming up, episode number 200 on December 19th. And a special note, as we mentioned at the start of the show, we will have a special video interview that will premiere this Friday on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash at what women want podcast with the amazing photographer, Scott Church. He will join us and talk about philosophy and life in an incredible interview that we shot down at FetishCon. That's coming up on our YouTube channel this Friday. I hope you'll join us. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What women and other wonderful humans want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, 
and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. 